Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the YJFL podcast brought to you by Swinburne University of Technology and the Swinburne University School of Health Sciences. So excited to be here for our very first episode of the YJFL podcast. Season 2023 is well and truly underway, so excited to to get stuck into it and bring you all this news and information on the new YJFL podcast. On this podcast, we'll be talking about a whole range of things, news and information from around the league, events, special stories. Um, We'll talk to a mixture of guests, YJFL players, coaches, umpires, volunteers, Um, We'll even try and get some AFL and AFLW players in here who've previously played in the YJFL. So very excited about that. My name is Will Michael. I'm the Media and Marketing Coordinator at the YJFL. I've been in the role for about eight months now. Um, have previously played at Q Rovers and Q Comets. So know my way around the league. Uh, I'm very excited to be in the role and back in the league. On this episode, episode one, we are very excited to have some special guests. The CEO of the YJFL, Aaron Bailey, we sat down, we had a chat about his first few months in the role and some new rules and regulations that have been added to the league. We have Zach Johnson and Jesse Detoli from the Northern Knights and Vic Metro. They tell us about their journey from junior footy in the YJFL and going on to play in the Coates Talent League and at Vic Metro. And then we have a quick chat to Adrian Mulder, the president of the Templestowe Dockers Junior Footy Club, about Dockers Day this Sunday in round three. So very exciting first episode, excited to be here and excited to bring it to you. And let's get stuck into it. All right, welcome to the YJFL podcast. So excited for our first episode and we are very lucky to have a very special guest for our first episode and our very first guest, the current CEO of the YJFL, Aaron Bailey. Aaron, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Will. Now, Aaron, you've only been in the role for about six months now, it's probably been. Um, but tell us a little bit uh, about your your background in footy and um, your previous roles. Um, you've worked in the Outer East for about six years and you've also done some work with with the Eastern Footy League. Just tell the audience a little bit about your background in footy. Uh, yeah, no, look, certainly uh, enjoyed so far my time at uh, the YJFL. Um, it's been um, extraordinarily busy, which all, all uh, football leagues are, particularly around the start of the season. But uh, yeah, prior to, to this role, I was the, uh, the Chief Executive Officer of the, uh, of the Outer East Football Netball uh, competitions. And then uh, and prior to that, I was the Game Development Manager Eastern Football League. I also had a role um, in between uh, the EFNL role and, and the Outer East role where I set up the NAB League girls program at, uh, at Eastern Rangers. Um, I guess my footy background is I played uh, my junior footy at Knox and, um, and then like a lot of kids went and tried to play the best level I could and, play, and went to Vermont and then uh, coached uh, Morabin in the, South, the Southern Footy League. I, uh, I coached St Mary's Salesian in the uh, the the ammos, um, but I'm also a life member of the Knox Gardens Cricket Club where I'd been president, secretary, uh, senior coach uh, and had a, a multiple roles there. So uh, you know, a long-standing um, connection to the game. Um, I'm a teacher by uh, by trade and uh, I've also got a uh, postgraduate uh, education in now in sports uh, management. So um, really diverse background. Uh, just come from local footy, essentially. Um, 
and uh, probably uniquely for me, more maybe more so than than many others, is my dad and uh, Leon has had a, a long-standing um, roles in footy. So was the president of Knox when I was there, was the president of Hampton when he was playing there, and he's been on the EFNL board for about twenty-five years. So I guess I've, I've grown up around administration. So uh, and, and certainly, I guess the background in teaching and my um, early. You know, exposure to coaching footy from under 16 um, has really, the YGFL role really fits with what I like to do in footy. And not just the CEO this year, you're also doing a little bit of umpiring and a little bit of coaching outside of the YJFL. Um, you're doing a little bit of work with Kerry Grammer, um, with the coaching stuff. Just just tell us, how's, how's that going? How have you found coaching again this year? Uh, look, uh, yeah, a few people... I, I was at, the, uh, at a meeting with all the CEO, league CEOs today and they were sort of asking where do I find the time and I think my wife had asked that same question. But uh, yeah, coaching uh, old Kerry in, the, uh, in the, um, the VAFA this year, which I'm really enjoying the challenge of. Um, and, and yeah, certainly umpire on the Sunday out in the YJFL. Uh, it's something I've done since I've been working in footy the last 12 years is, uh, is umpire and uh, have umpired uh, you know, everything from up under eights up to senior footy. So... I think that exposure to you know being a coach, being on a committee, being a, an umpire, being a player, um, it, it's given me a really good diversity of understanding of the different roles that, that within our um, community and our organisation, and probably empathy for everyone who, who's a participant in our competition. So um, the coaching challenge is, is one I'm really enjoying. Um, took over a club that's won five games in forty years, uh, four, forty years in in four years, and. Um, uh, but really, it's about trying to build a club, and, and it's been a really good eye opener for me. And um, yeah, really enjoying the challenge. Great. Now, as I said, only only fairly new to the to the YJFL role, but um, we're right in the thick of it now, th- coming up to round three um, of the YJFL season. Um, how have you found sort of the start of the year in your in your first few months in the role? How have you enjoyed it, and how have you enjoyed the first few rounds of the season? Yeah, look, I've certainly been really pleased with the way we've started the season. Um, I think the, uh, the the behaviour of our of our um, players and, and our parent group has been really encouraging. I think it's been a really positive match day environment, which is something that I'm sure we'll discuss down the line. But it's been a real focus for us as a league. Um, the clubs have been terrific. Has been a um, it's certainly been a, a new experience for me, just some of the size of some of our clubs in, in terms of their team numbers and um, the diversity of our league in terms of that we almost say internally that we've got four regions within the YJFL, you know, and um, and certainly understanding the, the makeup of those clubs. But um, no, really, really enjoying the, the league. It's a, I'm really uh, I'm pleased I made the decision to come here um, and uh, it's a terrific community and, and one that I think... Not only have we got a really good product and a really good competition now, but I think we've got great scope to be a really wonderful junior competition and maybe you know, a benchmark junior competition, not only in football, but in, in junior sport. And you mentioned um, briefly before the match day environment. Um, and I know we've spoken a little bit about um, enhancing the match day environment and making that um, as good as possible as we can for for the kids and our participants but do you want to just explain a little bit to the audience um, what exactly that means to you and what you hope it means for the league yeah look uh, certainly uh, I think the the when I was um, 
awarded the opportunity of taking on this role, uh, was certainly presented to me that there were six key areas that the clubs had identified in 2022 that we needed to address. Uh, one was fixturing and grading, which I think we'll, we'll certainly discuss uh, along uh, today's uh, discussion. But uh, conduct was one. Uh, the behaviour um, of coaches was certainly raised. Um, you know, areas like vilification. Uh, so it really all ties into the match day experience, the experience for the participant. And so our focus has been really around three key areas. So we want the best possible match day experience for, for the the children that play in the competition, but not only the children that play in the competition, but the other participants, so that's umpires, that's coaches, volunteers. Um, and, and our philosophy is around three areas. So one is child safety, one is the off-field environment, and then one is the, is the on-field environment. Um, you know, from a child safety perspective, we've, we've invested significantly in uh, companies like ChildSafe and, and um, make sure around not only the education around child safety, but the, the management of it and the compliance of it. Um, off-field, we've been doing work with uh, La Trobe Uni and um, really pleasingly we'll announce in the coming weeks around the fact that we've been nominated for a Vic Sport Award for this for Initiative of the Year around the work we're doing in um, through the medics that we provide in our competition in concussion and injury management, so making it as safe as possible on-field. Um, and some of the recommendations we've already seen um, include you know, some tackling workshops, the way uh, the appointment of a head of umpiring has been a really good example of our umpiring was one of the areas the clubs identified. We've been able to put a full-time resource into umpiring. Um, and, and then the on-field, you know, we've got a great product in terms of, the, of junior footy. We've got really good competitions, great standard competitions. Um, I think as a league, we externally, as someone who's worked in neighbouring leagues, the perception of the YGFL or the way it was presented is that we get lots of people drafted and we have really good interleague teams, um, which isn't, is, whilst that's terrific and, and, and is true, um, we have you know ten and ten and a half thousand players and five hundred umpires and you know 23,000 um, people engaged external as parents. We only have ten people drafted and four teams worth or five six teams worth of kids play in a league. So we've got to really make sure that the the experience um, for all the kids in our competition is really positive. Um, key areas for us, you know, making sure that we get kids coming into our competition at eight or nine. Improving the retention of kids in our teams, particularly in the under 12 to under 17 age group. Uh, getting the fixturing and grading right so that the, the games are competitive, um, so kids enjoy and continue to play. I, I, I'm not big on that kids have to win, but kids need to have competitive games. Um, you know, we, we, I've spoke, we've spoke to clubs about the fact that this year we'll have you know, close to 500 teams play and 40 will win a grand final. So if our measure of success is grand finals or premierships, um, we're not going to be successful, but we've got to make sure the kids are, are enjoying their football experience. So all the policies, and I know we're going to unpack these and, and give people an insight into what uh, we're doing, but everything that we've brought in this year um, is essentially best practice from around Australia. So we went away and, and looked at you know, what are the initiatives that have worked, where have we got evidence that they work, and what will improve the experience for, for the participants and, and the people who are attending our games. And I think one thing that we get we, we sometimes forget when we talk about match days experience is we always talk about what we've always done in footy, but we forget that that necessarily isn't accessible to the people that we're trying to bring into our game. You know, people from new communities, people who haven't played football before, uh, people that have come from overseas. Um, you know, what we've always ex sort of expected or accepted as, as the norm isn't necessarily the case for the people we're trying to attract to our game. So... We've got to continue to grow our game um, and we've got to make sure our competition reflects 
and our clubs reflect the communities they represent. And you mentioned um, using policies that have been tried and tested elsewhere. We're not, um, you know, trying to um, reinvent the wheel with any of this stuff. Um, one of the things that the, the YJFA has brought in this year has been the white card policy, which was used um, up in Queensland. Do you want to explain a little bit about that policy um, for those out there who haven't, who haven't heard of it and um, what it's trying to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. Look, at the start of the year, I went to a conference um, in at AFL House that, that, that all the um, you know, region general managers and the CEOs, so the region general managers in country Victoria and the metropolitan CEOs attended, but we also had the Waffle and AFL Queensland present and the Sample present. And um, this, was a poli- this was a policy that was implemented in Queensland um, with great success. And essentially what it is is it gives you an avenue for um, young umpires, and most of the umpires are under 18, gives them an avenue to um, essentially identify if the behaviour from the bench um, isn't where they need it to be, that it gives them a tool um, that's not combative. You know, the first one's a warning, so they can put it up and it's a, it's a reflective to say, just, just check your behaviour. And that, not just the coach, but the runner, the trainer, you know, people standing around the bench, that we can... It gives them a tool, I think, to allow them to just um, provide the coach a bit of a feedback that we need to moderate the behaviour. Um, and... I think it's already worked. I think if you look at the coaching behaviour in the first couple of weeks, we're seeing a lot less incidents because I think the coaches know there is a consequence. And um, and it's only one of a few steps that we've put in, but I certainly think the initial feedback to that has been really positive. But we've also coupled with the white card is it's extensive work of getting face-to-face with our coaches. And one of the other roles we brought in was a club development manager, Gary Brown. He's been He's been terrific for us and... I think uh, as of Monday night, we've we've seen uh, face-to-face 420 of our 500 coaches. So we're going to continue to – it's not just about um, having a punitive or a, you know, a, a punishment for when things go wrong. It's about actually getting in and educating and developing our coaches because we want a, a good experience for our coaches as well. I will say this, and for anyone who's – all the parents who do listen and our, our community that do listen, our coaches set the framework of the behaviour at our match day if, if our coaches are fired up or yelling out, it really does set off our spectators, our players, uh, and it just creates an environment that we don't want. So we, we think this is a really good policy, hugely successful in Queensland, um, and we actually think it's a policy that doesn't um, impact the game greatly. It actually enhances it. Gary will be very happy for the shout-out, by the way. <laughs> He'll sure love he that. He's doing a fantastic <laughs> job. Um, you mentioned fixturing and grading, always a um, topic of conversation, um, always a hard one to navigate. But um, one thing we've, we've brought in this year as well or that's been brought in is um, we've taken out percentage, removed percentage. Um, just describe to us how that will um, help sort of shape the league and how it will affect the experience um, of players and participants this year. Yeah, look, this is one that, again, we'll announce um, at the end of grading so people understand it, but... Uh, uh, this has been done in some neighbouring competitions. So the EFNL have done it for the past few years and Outer East, where, I, where I've come from, have been doing it. Essentially what it is is that we've taken away, we've disincentivising the need to win by large margins. We, we actually are strong advocates for um, winning and losing and the development that winning and losing creates um, and the opportunities for, for children to grow under that environment. But I think I have a philosophy that you learn a lot more losing by a point than you do by losing by 160 and I'm not sure a lot of people get a, a great deal out of winning or losing by 160 points. So essentially what, we'll be, what we're introducing is rather than having a percentage as a tiebreaker, the, the tiebreakers become things like head-to-head. So 
be fourth and fifth. Um, uh, I'll finish on equal points or equal match ratio at the end of the year. If they've played each other on twice, and the, um, you know, this, we'll just use a couple of examples here. If Q, the Q Rovers and play Q Comets, and round one Q Rovers beat Q Comets by 10 points, and in the second fixture Q Comets win by 20, Q Comets will play in the finals. And then um, there's a quite clear tiebreakers on it. What we've seen in other competitions is once with this rule, the need if I'm the top side and I've won by 100, the second side and the latter doesn't need to win by 100 the week after. And what we're starting to see is changing of positions, taking players off, giving more kids opportunity, uh, playing your star midfielder as a back pocket, playing the ruckman as a, as a wingman. And actually what we – which is exactly what we want our coaches to do and because um, a six-foot-one – Ruckman in under-16s is probably going to be a six-foot-one on baller when he plays senior football. So I think it's really important that we actually diversify in that. But we think this is a really simple policy. It doesn't change the concept of winning or losing. It just disincentivises those those thrashings, which we don't think anyone gets much out of. Probably the only other one to mention is the the no spectators at the huddles. I know you've, you've discussed it at length um, on some other shows. and <laughs> You've done a bit of media street work, um, but... It's probably worth mentioning here as well. Just um, give us the thoughts behind that and um, the reasoning for bringing that rule in. Yeah, look, it's probably the, of the, all the policies we've brought in, this is the one that's, that's caused the most consternation. And um, the purpose behind it is to is essentially, it's multifaceted, but the purpose behind it is to allow the coaches, so we've had a white card for coaches if they're misbehaved, but this is also a policy to allow the coaches to coach. Um, and it, it, whilst... Most of our participation and our parent group and the people who attend our games are good. I always say to people, we don't make rules for the, for the 90%, we make rules for the 10%. I think we all know and we've all seen examples of that of the parent who will take their, their son or daughter out of the huddle, who will coach that. Um, it is a child safety measure. All the bad issues that have occurred, and I'm talking the stuff that you would say gets you in the paper, you know, the on-field clashes of parents or parents confronting adults, sorry, parents confronting children. That happens in those breaks, that happens in those periods. And so there is a preventative aspect of this for us in terms of if we actually remove people from the ground and actually take away that uh, that opportunity, we're actually preventing some of these issues happening. What I will say, um, and certainly the biggest factor of this and where this came in in a few other leagues was actually around speeding the game up because we get the huddles on the, on the ground. You look at where we are at Ford Park, the wings... The benches are on the far wing. We have everyone going across. And by the time we get everyone off the ground, we're three minutes late, we're four minutes late, and we do that across a day and you lose an hour. Um, we're in a landlocked area with no potential to, to just plonk a new ground in, in Melbourne. We've got clubs beyond their capacity. And the view here is that we'll actually use this uh, to be able to essentially next year shorten some breaks, potentially shorten some games, and get another game in on the ground and start to speed up the thing because... One of the things we see from our other sports, and we're really mindful of this, I think one of the, where basketball is, is hurting us um, from a competition base is that basketball are able to get their players in, they play, they turn up, they play in an hour and left, they leave in an hour. Um, in footy, we actually sometimes, we're expecting our kids to be there an hour, we go for two hours. By the time the coach has spoken, we're going to have people there for three and a half hours. We need to speed this up. You know, the, the way our kids consume sport now needs to improve. So... I, I'm a big advocate of the rule. I've seen it in action. Um, it's been in South Australia for six years. Um, certainly, we spoke to the Sandful and they, they suggested that people kicking in the arc. Um, so we've been able to commit that community field by people having a kick. But what I saw last year in Outer East is 
as the year went on, um, you saw better and better community engagement with the parent group outside the ground. People start grabbing a coffee, start to talk to each other. Um, and, and it's interesting. If you actually unpack it, there's no other sport that we know of where the parents go on the ground at a timeout, at a huddle. You know, you don't get a wicket in the cricket and everyone goes around the, the huddle at cricket. There's no People don't go at, at the timeout at netball uh, or a timeout in basketball. So... Um, we understand it's a shift, but we actually think this is one that will have long-term um, benefits to the competition. Um, we are mindful we've got to keep improving the policy. What will come out in the next couple of days um, is we're going to bring a support person in. We're really mindful with kids with disabilities, kids with medical conditions, kids with anxiety, mental health concerns, or even sometimes a kid who's just distressed from a, from a dangerous tackle or a, a, an incident where someone said something to them. We, we, want the, we still want the parents to be able to come on and look after the kids. So we're not taking away the child safety aspect or the, that well-being aspect, we're, and we'll certainly continue to modify it. But um, I think I said at the start, we want to create the best match day experience. And whilst I, I understand the perspective of people who may not like the rule, um, I'm really strong on the fact that we will make policies that are best for the kids. And if that means we upset some adults along the way, uh, then so be it. We don't want to lose the community feel of, of footy, and I don't think we do with this policy. I think people are still there. Your son or daughter will see you. Uh, if you're on the sideline clapping and you're present, they will see that. You don't need to be at the huddle for them to get that connection. So, um, yeah, look, it, it's it's here to stay, and I think um, I, I, I'm really confident because I've seen it in action in other areas um, most of the leagues have had this now for 12 months, 24 months, are actually at clubs, coaches, even the parent group are really strong advocates for it. And I think the feedback since we started has been really positive. In fact, I think it's becoming more and more positive as people see it in action. Mm. I've certainly noticed the first couple of weeks the, the community aspect is still very much there at the footy. Um, the vibes are very high and it is speeding up the games, which is really, really good, really important. And it's allowing the coaches to coach, which is really important as well. Um, I guess bigger picture, we've already sort of discussed um, the match day experience is really important and that's something that the league's focusing on a lot, um, making that the best possible environment we can for our participants. Is that the ultimate vision for the league or is there something sort of further down the track that you're working towards as, as CEO and the league in whole? Oh, look, uh, certainly uh, my role as the CEO, I think, is to facilitate um, the views of every stakeholder. So, you know, representing the board, but also um, being really open and collaborative and consultative, uh, not only with our staff, but with our community to get the best version of competition that we possibly can get. And I think that's one thing we've been really working towards is being accessible, approachable. Um, there was a, a, definitely a disconnect between our clubs and, and the league um, in the past couple of years. And I think so far we're really starting to shift that around. Um, oh, look, we're in a strategic plan year. We're engaging with all our stakeholders at the moment around um, setting a vision for what this league is going to be over the next five years, uh, and we're going to con- we're going to engage everyone that's part of our community in that process. And we want the best version of this that we possibly can. We certainly want to be um, innovative. We want to make sure that we're having the best policies and, and the best practice. Um, there's no doubt we'll continue to shift and shape what that looks like. I know. Um, you know, I'll put some things up out now that people can hear and, and we've, we've raised certainly things like do we need boundary umpires moving forward or moving to last possession, which a lot of leagues do. Um, you know, that's a, you know, we've got clubs with 35 teams having to find 34 volunteers to boundary umpire. Um, 
you know, that's something, that's a good example of, is that the best policy? No answer to that, but that's the sort of things we want to pose to clubs. Oh, I think volunteer workload and making the, the volunteer experience is something we really need to focus on. We talk about the matchday experience for our kids, but it's a it's really challenging um, being a volunteer. Volunteerism is, is not dying because I don't think it'll ever die, but I think now we've got rusted on volunteers or a small group of volunteers. We used to have a lot. I think now we're, we're, we're certainly we put a lot on a, on a too few people. Um, making our competition affordable, making participation affordable. Um, you know, one of the first things we've done, or certainly I focused on when I came here, is you know, we've we've shifted, we've grown our our league um, sponsorship from seventy five thousand to two hundred and seventy five thousand because the more money we can bring from external providers is the less money we have to charge our participants and our clubs. Um, you know, what can we provide for our clubs um, for what they pay or what our participants pay? So you know, certainly what more bang for the buck? Um, education, development. You know, I was really that leadership day we did with the. Um, the players of our league, you were there, Will. It was a really dynamic day, and, and you know, the kids developed a code of conduct for their league, um, and it's really powerful. And we'll, we'll continue to put that out and that message. But we want kids to have a voice. We want this is their competition. Um, the, I think the connection. I think we want people to love being part of our league, whether they're volunteers, clubs, players. We want people to, to treasure the experience of playing junior footy. Um, transitioning into senior football, men's and women's, is becoming a big focus for us. We want kids to come into our competition as under-8s and leave our competition and go and play senior football. But we also want people to be fans. We want people to to maybe be umpires or to coach or to be volunteers. Not everyone's going to play our game. Not everyone's going to play our footy. But we want people to love our game, to be connected to our game, to be fans of our game. So um, I think it's important to mums and dads and, and the community that are listening to this that when we make decisions, we're actually making decisions for the best interests of everyone, and we're trying to we we want to make a competition that everyone um, feels welcome and valued. And, and I guess the last part of that is we're going to do a lot of work on inclusion. So, you know, how do we make the competition um, really really inclusive for kids with multicultural backgrounds, kids with Aboriginal backgrounds? Um, certainly, an area we've got to work on that is a shifting landscape that is becoming a big focus is. Kids who identify um, with their with their gender or their sexuality, so those LBGTQI kids, because that's the re- our kids now are extraordinarily inclusive, you know. Um, and we again we speak about being um, representing the communities we have. We don't represent the kids in our community because it's not accessible for kids like that. So we've got to continue to make those adjustments and. And continue to do that, and then and, and, and kids with a disability. We've spoken around as a as a staff about how do we have a, an offering for kids with a disability? You know, like we have feeder in the, as adults. You know, competition for kids with um, learning difficulties. You've got wheelchair um, football now. You know, as a league, we should be looking at how can we create a football competition for kids with disabilities. So. Um, it won't all be done in my time in the league. We, we want to set a framework um, that, that sets that in place. But, you know, it's a fantastic competition. has been for a very long time, the Yarra Junior Football League. Um, but I don't think we've scratched the surface of the capacity and, and, and the capability of what it can be. It sounds like you've got a lot on your plate and the league has a lot on its plate, but it all sounds very positive and um, sounds like everything's moving in the right direction. So, um, yeah, very excited to be a part of it and... Um, well done on your first first six months. It's all uh, it's all gone very well. And um, thanks for coming on as our first 
first guest of the podcast. Uh, excellent. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure he'll be listening. I'm sure Gary Brown will be quite happy to be in the second. So, <laughs> we absolutely no, very, very happy to be on, Will, as I said. And, and, and I'll just reiterate, we're really, um, we want the message out there. This is everyone's competition. We want to com- continue to communicate and collaborate and um, we'll keep working to make this the best it can possibly be. So appreciate having me on. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us, Aaron Bailey, CEO of the YJFL. This podcast is proud to be supported by the Swinburne University School of Health Sciences. The Swinburne School of Health Sciences offers a wide array of courses with great career pathways in areas such as biomedical science, nursing and allied health, psychology, nutrition, health promotion, public and environmental health, and exercise and sports science. Find out more about how you can apply, visit www.swinburne.edu.au. All right, welcome back to the YJFL podcast. We're very lucky now to be joined by two YJFL players and current Coates Talent League players and Vic Metro representatives who've just played in the under-18 trial games for Vic Metro. Zach Johnson and Jesse Detoli, welcome to the YJFL podcast. Cheers, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. First episode ever of the YJFL podcast. You must feel pretty good to be on the first step. Yeah, pretty privileged. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool to be here, to be honest. Awesome. Now, guys, I've just mentioned uh, that you are Northern Knights boys and you've just tried out for the Vic Metro squads as well for the national champs. But before we get into that stuff, I do want to go back to your junior footy days um, and your YJFL careers. Obviously, this is the YJFL podcast. Um, We might start with you, Zach. So you've had a bit of an interesting um, junior footy career, I guess you could say. So haven't played your whole career in the YJFL. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your junior career, how you came to the YJFL and how you got into footy? Yeah, well, um, I started my juniors off at Epping. Uh, my old man played there. So, yeah, just smooth transition into there. Um, and then I started playing basketball and I was really close with a lot of boys that played at St. Mary's. Um, and they said it was a better competition. So, yeah, decided to make my move to St. Mary's and, yeah, really grateful. And what are your fondest memories of the St. Mary days? Uh, just the camaraderie of the group. Uh, it was a really special group. Pretty disappointed we couldn't go all the way. Like I thought, we're a really good side, but yeah, it was good fun. And I feel like I'll cherish those memories for a long time. And now, Jesse, you're a bit of a veteran of the YJFL. Over 145 games, I think it was, close to the 150 for, for Ivanhoe. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your career at Ivanhoe and what some of your fondest memories are of the YJFL days? Yeah, I started at Ivanhoe in under nines or something. Yeah, under nines. And I remember I always used to play two games on the Sunday. I'd go play under nines and under 11s every week. So those games added up very quickly because it's always playing every weekend two times. Beautiful. And, and just for the audience at home, um, now that you've grown a little bit and you're playing in the Coates Talent League, obviously a very um, high level of competition, good skill level. Um, the Coates Talent League, for those at home who are listening, formerly the NAB League, um, just describe to us a little bit about your own games, um, how you describe yourself, what position you like to play. Zach might start with you. Yep. Um, so I'm a mid forward. I uh, think I'm pretty versatile and can play multiple positions. Uh, I feel like my mid-craft has uh, come a long way and my ability to hit the scoreboard is uh, really huge. And Jesse, you? Uh, yeah, same as Zach. Mid-forward, forward-mid, same, same. Really good on the inside mainly. Hit, hitting a scoreboard a lot uh, at, at Coates Hill League this year. Just probably didn't kick too straight, well, as straight as I'd like to. Now, for the Northern Knights, you guys have had... 
pretty solid start to the season, three and one. Um, you've come up against a, sort of a variety of teams, um, the Giants Academy team, the Gold Coast team, um, I think the Murray guys as well. So a few, uh, a, a bit of a variety of talent there from a, sort of across um, Victoria and up uh, in the north as well. Um, how have you found the first few games, Zach? Yeah, I thought it was really good. It's a great high standard and... Um yeah, it's just really enjoyable. I feel like our pre-season was really big. Um, the groups were nice and tight. So, yeah, it's been really good to get out there on the park with those boys. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And the competition, as I said, is really high standard. So, yeah. And, Jesse, you've had a, a pretty good game recently, kicked four goals. Uh, how have you found the first few weeks? Uh, yeah, the first week, few weeks were very good, actually. And we had an epic down in Wangaratta against Murray where we came back down from like a 26 points down at three-quarter time to end up winning by seven seven points, I think, in the end. Yeah, I think I kicked four that day, which is, which is pretty good. Did the thing for the team. Always nice to kick a few snags. Yeah, very good. <laughs> it was good. And what about the main sort of competition in the league this year? Who do you guys view as the sort of main competitors? Uh, I think Oakley and Sandy will be up there. They're yeah. always yeah, really competitive. Yeah, Sandringham are good. And most of the country teams are good because... That's their only team, as they don't really have school footy like us. Yeah, always some pretty handy players down at down at Sandy and Oakley, and probably some of those players um, segueing on quite nicely here. Um, you would have played with recently in your Vic Metro trials. Those were down at um, Trevor Barker Beach Oval in Sandy. Um, How did you guys find those those trial games for the national championships that are coming up? Um, How did you find the trials and and the level of um, I guess competition and talent playing out there, Jesse. How did you find it? I actually loved playing that game. To be honest, it was like it was very free flowing. The standard was very high. Skills were very good. One of the most fun games I've ever played. Even though I was very nervous going to the game because of what could happen at what what could happen after the game with selection and that. But I loved it all, the whole game. And was there any standout players that you, you came up against, Zach? Anyone you competed against that you thought this is someone? I guess that I've played against already or that I might come up against in the future that, that could be a real standout? Um, yeah, we uh, George Stevens, um, he played for country. He was a really big standout. Um, yeah, he was a threat all day. And then to see him go on and play for um, Geelong's VFL side the other week was really cool because, you know, he's at that level and we got to play against him. So, yeah, it's just something you sort of cherish. And then to be there with Jesse was unreal, like one of my best mates. So, yeah, loved it. Right, and what's the what's the process now? You guys are on a little bit of a break from um, Knights footy and and the Vic the Vic Metro trials. What's the process with that? How long's the wait on that kind of stuff? Uh, so Knights, we're not back for another three weeks, and then Metro is another game this week, and then some kids are playing school footy as well. Great, and so what what do you guys do in that sort of time frame of the break from sort of the elite level stuff? Um, well, I, I specifically go back to school footy where I play at Kerry. We train Tuesday, Thursday, then we play Saturday against uh, all the other schools in the APS. This week we have St. Kevin's, which should be a good game as we need to bounce back after our loss last week. And Zach, you're at Parade College, actually played today against St. Bernard's, had a win in, in round one of your school season. Will you just focus on school footy as well? Yeah, I'll play school footy and then hopefully try and play a few senior games as well. So yeah, just yeah, came for the few weeks ahead. Beautiful. And Outside of your footy careers, I guess, obviously you guys are managing school as well. Um, you're at Kerry, Jesse and Zach, you're at Parade. How do you sort of manage the, the footy schedule along with um, your schoolwork and your social lives? Uh, well, 
you know, it's actually not, it's not that easy at all. Footy takes up a lot of time. School takes up a lot of time. Sometimes it can be really hard. I just try to do all my homework on the Sunday after a game. As you're very sore, you can't be bothered to do much afterwards. So that's, I try to do all, just balance my schoolwork on Sunday and try to stay focused on, on footy during the week. And what about you, Zach? Yeah, I How think it's just it? about uh, having a good balance and being able to sort of, as you said, uh, school footy, uh, normal footy, and then your school work and your social life. So it's just having a good balance and making sure you put 100% to everything you do. And off the field and away from footy, is there anything you guys like to do to relax? Is there any particular sort of hobbies you guys have that you like to do away from footy? Uh, I'm trying to get into golf. Um, I'm okay. It's not easy. Is yeah, no. Nah, when you're hitting them left and right, it's yeah, it's pretty hard to keep going back and playing. But yeah, no, nah, I do like golf, and I yeah do try my best to uh, improve on that. Yeah, I play t- table tennis sometimes. It's good fun actually. <laughs> play with my <laughs> sister. Keep up the hand-eye coordination. <laughs> yeah, and um, me and Zach play Fortnite sometimes. Oh really? How yeah. do you go on that? I'm not very good. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not very. I'm not very good at that kind of thing either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could teach me a few things, Zach. Yeah, oh, we've got a good track record, I go, yeah, reckon, we do. at the moment. So, yeah, yeah going all right. There you go. And um, now you're back um, down at the YJFL a little bit. You guys come down here. Um, Zach, you're often down uh, helping out with some of the interleague stuff. Your dad's obviously coaching down here. And Jesse, you're, you're down here a little bit as well. Your dad does a little bit of coaching stuff too. Um, do you guys like to stay involved with the league and is it something that you could see yourself doing in the future, maybe a little bit of coaching or staying involved with sort of those development programs? Yeah, 100%. I think giving back to the YJFL is massive, you know, like for my footy career, it was really big moving here and then giving back to the younger generation and the kids coming through now, I think, yeah, they'll really appreciate it and they can learn a lot from it. So yeah, it's good to come down here and give back and then yeah, both of our dad's coaching sort of helps you get down here and yeah, it makes the transition a little bit easier. And then to learn off them is, yeah, really great. Yeah, as Zach said, the YJFL has been huge in, our, in both of our development as juniors and coming back to, to give back to the juniors coming up would be, would be like, very humbling for us. Awesome. Well, we'd love to have you down as coaches. I'm sure you guys would do a fantastic job teaching our juniors here. <laughs> we'd love to have you back. And um, we're so grateful that you came on the very first podcast episode as well. Done an amazing job and best of luck for the, the rest of the season at Northern Knights and uh, with the Vic Metro squads as well. Thank you. Thank you. That. Right. Welcome back to the YJFL podcast, our very first episode of the YJFL podcast been a very exciting episode and we're very lucky to have another special guest now, the president of the Templestowe Dockers Junior Football Club, Adrienne Mulder. Adrienne, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Will. Adrienne, how have you found the first couple rounds of the season? Uh, busy. We had a, a nice quiet start to round one with two teams at home, um, ramped up for round two with five. So it was a nice little segue in, which was nice. Um, but our big, our big weekend's coming up. We've got all eight teams at home this Sunday. And just give the audience a little insight into the club. So we're a fairly small family-based club. We aim to have one team in each age group, but uh, through COVID, those sorts of things, we've had a few drop-offs. So this year we've got eight teams, three of which are merged teams. So we've got two teams merged with Warrandyte Junior Football Club and one with Bulleen Templestowe. And you mentioned a big big weekend for the club this weekend, the uh, Dockers Day um, can you just describe a little bit about that day, where it's happening, what's going on during the, the Templestowe Dockers Day this Sunday? 
So this has been a fairly new initiative. We tried, we started doing this just prior to COVID and then um, had a bit of a break for a year or two and have just brought it back in again. So this is probably our third year doing it. So it's really just a day that we can get all our teams at home. Um, so all the teams get to play together. We get the community down. Everyone gets to watch and enjoy. Um, we've got the older teams supporting the younger teams. So this year uh, we've got our under-16 boys supporting our under nine. so they'll do a guard of honour for their teams to run out through their banner too. Our youth boys are going to support our under-13s and our 16s girls will support our 14 girls, which is great. So it's about bringing those sort of older age groups in, um, getting helping them to get to know the younger groups um, and sort of, I guess, building towards that mentorship-type role. Great. And what can people expect on the day? Any sort of special activities, food, any kind of special things going on? Yep. So we've got the canteen open, as always. Um, we're going to be doing egg and bacon rolls and hamburgers, sausages, as well as the usual canteen foods. Uh, through the, throughout the day, we've got uh, banners for each team to run through, um, which will be really exciting. Um, as I said, the, the support team, we're doing a Dockers medal. So um, each team will have the opportunity to provide a medal based on our Dockers, um, I guess, philosophies, um, team and, and club views on, on how we would like our players to present themselves. So um, that can be announced after games for players, but we're actually bringing, hope, hopefully bringing all the club back in the evening. We've got a taco truck running from five till seven and a DJ um, running from five till eight. Um, so hopefully it'd be a great party atmosphere in the evening. We'll get to do um, just not the best on ground, but also those Docker Day awards or, or medals. Um, yeah, we'll do a bit of a recap with all the teams, see how they're going. So it should be a good night. Fantastic. Sounds amazing. I can't wait to get down and dance to some tunes and uh, get a hamburger in. And you've got um, Gameface, our digital partner, coming down to do a bit of photography, I think, and film some games as well. We absolutely do. So um, they're, they're hopefully going to be down for most of the day. We're aiming to capture all teams running through their banners. Uh, they'll do some interviews with coaches um, and other support staff, players, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, hopefully stream a few games, um, which would be really exciting. Beautiful. So what's the timing? Just run through that again with us. So first teams under nines and under 13s kick off at 9.30 and then our 16s girls play at 2.30 and our youth boys at 3. Beautiful. And all at Templestowe's home all ground? All at Templestowe Reserve. Can't wait for it. Thanks for joining us, Adrienne. We look forward to Dockers Day this Sunday. All right, well, that will do it for episode one of the YJFL podcast and what an episode it was. Thank you very much to our audience out there for listening and a big thanks to our guests for joining us, CEO of the YJFL, Aaron Bailey, Zach Johnson and Jesse Detoli of the Northern Knights and Adrienne Mulder of the Templestowe Dockers Junior Footy Club. A big thanks to our partner Swinburne and the Swinburne University School of Health Sciences for sponsoring this podcast and this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you stay tuned, listen along for the next one. The podcast episodes will be coming out every fortnight. Follow us on socials and jump on our website, www.yarrajfl.org.au. Give us some suggestions for the show. We'd love to hear from you guys, hear who you want to get on the show. And if you have anything you want to hear, let us know. Best of luck for round three, and we'll see you guys out there.